Okay, good morning. Today is Wednesday, May 28th. Yeah, no, 26. Uh, this is episode 14 of Reading Zhongzi. Uh Two things, or one, one main matter before we start. Um, please, 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 if you value these talks and um, have some recognition that YouTube is unstable... Uh, which is true. Uh, I have um, a good friend, a good guy in Australia, has put together, um, under construction, a mirror site which will eventually have all playlists and all 900 or so talks on it. The uh, address, I'm going to, it's in the YouTube, it'll be on the YouTube and the podcast platform text description. Uh, so below on YouTube and on the podcast platform, if you're listening on that, uh, you'll see a link. It's https twsmandelker.weebly.com. twsmandelker.weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y, is some kind of Australian term, weebly.com. And it's a straight up site, <laughs> very simple, um, a page, the main the, the heart of it is the playlists page, which will have, which has already but not fully completed, uh, all twenty-seven playlists. Um, only about half a dozen of them have been finished, meaning videos uploaded. All of it is an audio format, no images. All of it will be uh, downloadable, and or streamable from the site, TWS mandelker.weebly.com so there's just a very simple uh, the long list of playlists and um, only half a dozen are complete are completed or, or fully uploaded now a page on resources which you may not know about which is all sorts of resources um, regarding my work and related work a page on my bio and then a page on counseling so of course it's all free and um, it's useful to bookmark because YouTube is uh, over-political and uh, doing much censorship. Today uh, will be a shorter talk. Uh, I will... I, what I... <laughs> as I was reading more Zhangzi, I realized, hmm, this sounds like Stoicism, the Stoic philosophy, school of philosophy from uh, Greece and then Rome. Marcus Aurelius coming out of Epict Epictetus related and um, particularly Zeno, Zeno of Citium. And so Zeno, I want to look a little bit, uh, we're, we're in the middle of chapter five of Chuangzu, the sign of virtue complete, which is very much talking uh, a Stoic philosophy that uh, there are certain things that we can control and there are certain matters, much, much of, our, of, of what concerns us in life is out of our control. And what should be, what is under our control, we should do our best to take good care of by um, understanding. Uh, and in the sense of the Stoics, uh, the re use of reason, importance of reason. Uh, and what's out of our control, we ultimately need to uh, gradually make emotional detachment from and accept that these things happen. That's completely in line with the Buddhist teaching of the eight worldly winds, eight worldly winds being 
associated with body, mind, spirit, associated with physical, emotional, mental, social, and spiritual conditions to some degree, but mainly physical, emotional, mental, or that which pertains to us materially, uh, emotionally, mentally, interpersonally, uh, moving beyond um, being wildly swayed and thrown up and down by these eight worldly winds, which are four pairs of two, uh, pleasure, pain, gain and loss, praise and blame, honor, dishonor. Uh, moving beyond getting thrown by them or thrown around by our mind reacting to those inevitable worldly winds is the great work. And the Stoics understood it very well. Briefly, uh, Zeno of Citium from the Wikipedia, 334 to 262 BC, right at the uh, right around the same time that the Chongzhu was being compiled in China, was a Hellenistic philosopher of Phoenician origin from Citium, Cyprus, founder of the Stoic school of philosophy, taught that in Athens from about 300 BC, same time as Chongzhu, based on moral ideas of the Cynics. Uh, Stoicism laid great emphasis on goodness and peace of mind gained from living a life in virtue, a life of virtue, de, right, Tao de, a life of virtue in accordance with nature, Phusus, what Heraclitus talked about, in in terms of in in harmony with heaven, so a life of Tao de in harmony with uh, heaven, uh, the way of heaven and earth. Hmm, sounds Chinese to me. It proved very popular, flourished as one of the major schools of philosophy from the Hellenistic period through the Roman, enjoyed revivals in Renaissance as Neo-Stoicism and now modern Stoicism. And rather than get into the complexity of the history of of Stoicism and um, various teachers, from a page called allgreatquotes.com, a nice page on quotes from Zeno of Citium. And I want to just read a number of them and then uh, come back to uh, chapter 5, Chongzi. So, from the bottom of the page, and tell me, tell me if this doesn't sound all very Taoist to you. Uh, quotes, Zeno said, and this is, I, I don't know who translated this, it's not written on the page, unfortunately, but Zeno said, the goal of life is living in agreement with nature. Follow where reason leads. Well-being is attained by little and little, and nevertheless is no little thing itself. It is in virtue, the, that happiness consists. So happiness and pleasure depend on virtue. Virtue equals the formation of good karma. It is in virtue that happiness consists, For virtue is the state of mind which tends to make the whole of life harmonious. And so Taoist Zhongzi talking about harmony with Tao, um, living in harmony. Uh, For us, we understand, not not quite related to uh, Zhongzi, but Zeno also said, all the good are friends of one another. This is so true from any culture, from any place, in any language, with any body form. Uh, those that love love 
and even more so those that love truth, um, are naturally good friends. Wherever you meet them, I mean, I've seen this many times, meeting so-called strangers with whom there's a heart connection uh, of, of common appreciation of virtue immediately. <clears throat> now, a little bit closer to the Chongsu, Zeno said, fate is the endless chain of causation whereby things are, also called tat, the reason or formula by which the world goes on, cosmic plan or um, phusis, physics, um, the laws of causation uh, for physics, metaphysics, physical, metaphysical, personal, interpersonal, collective laws by which occur, events occur, the endless chain of causation whereby things are. And then reason, it, that is God's reason or logoic reason or universal reason. And then we ourselves need reason to live um, in harmony and live as best we can in harmony with it. Zeno said, all things are part, parts of one single system, which is called nature, capital N. The individual life is good when it is in harmony with nature. And particularly, Zeno said, steal your sensibilities so that life shall hurt you as little as possible. And so life hurts us sometimes, phenomena um, of the four unpleasant worldly winds hurts us, right? Loss and pain, blame and dishonor. So that's uh, possible, you know, that, that's a, those are examples of life possibly or usually hurting one by those, un, those unfavorable worldly winds. But then there's not just life hurting us, there's mind hurting us. Our mind hurts us. And this is really more important. <laughs> and so one can have the pleasant worldly winds of gain and pleasure, praise and honor, wealth, fame and fortune, right? And hurt oneself uh, in, our, uh, in, our, in our reactions and responses and ways of living based, from, based there from from experience of those pleasant worldly winds. So we want life to hurt us as little as possible, and we want to hurt ourselves by mind, distortion, lower triad blockage, to hurt ourselves as little as possible. Mm. Another, finally, he said, uh, Zeno of Sitium, Happiness is a good flow of life, like the Tao, a good Tao. And a bad feeling is a commotion of the mind repugnant to reason and against nature. And so this is um, how the mind hurts ourselves, how we hurt ourselves with our mind. There's life hurting us, and then there's mind hurting us. We don't want to be hurt by mind like we don't want to be hurt by nature or, you know, events and phenomena around us. So a bad feeling, um, as the opposite of a good flow of life happiness, a bad feeling is a commotion of the mind repugnant to reason, meaning there's some irrationality to it. 
And the Taoist is very rational too. And so this, the Stoics, particularly, you know, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Zeno himself, were heavy rationalists. It doesn't mean they were anti-spiritual per se, but the importance of reason in understanding what we can and cannot control and understanding the inevitability of, of fate or destiny and experience the inevitable experience of those eight worldly winds, positive and negative, and the fact that we can change our thought word indeed, so that we're setting good seeds and life then hurts us less. And uh, the mind is guided by reason, so we hurt ourselves less. And finally, Zeno said, man conquers the world by conquering himself. This is straight up teaching from Gautama that the greatest hero is the one who's conquered himself. <clears throat> and so, um, much common ground resonance with um, Gautama Buddha, you know, Buddha Dhamma, early Buddhist, uh, Pali canon Buddha Dhamma from Gautama. Lots of resonance with Chongsa as well. Now back to chapter 5, uh, the sign of virtue complete. Uh, what I want to do is pick out the critical teachings that are sometimes put into the mouth of Confucius or Zhangzi or somebody who's lost their foot <clears throat> or somebody who's super ugly and they wonder how he's so popular and beloved even though he's super ugly, like the tree that is all gnarled and yet massive and does much to you know, give shade and comfort to people and animals. Uh, through those characters as literary device, Zhangzu gives forth major important Taoist philosophy. Uh, towards the end of the chapter, page 117 on the PDF, <clears throat> a conversation between Huizi, who's a logician, and it's just fanciful here, asking Zhangzi, can a man be without feelings? Zhangzi said yes. Huizi goes on, but a man who has no feelings, how can you call him a man? Zhuangzi uh, says, even without feelings, he's a man. The way the Tao gave him a face, heaven gave him a form. Why can't you call him a man? Huizi replies, but if you've already called him a man, how can he be without feelings? Meaning, how can he be a man without feelings? And this is, like I said, um, everybody uses words too loosely, and all statements need refinement for deeper comprehension, nearly all. Zhuangzi said, that's not what I mean by feelings. Meaning, when he says a man's without feelings, he doesn't mean without any feelings. What he means is, he said, when I talk about having no feelings, I mean that a man doesn't allow likes or dislikes to get in and do him harm. He doesn't let his mind hurt him. He just lets things be the way they are and doesn't try to help life along. And so, <clears throat> he doesn't, and going on later, he said, he doesn't let likes or dislikes get in and do him harm. And that's the point. Um, by reason, by mature uh, perspective, by right view and uh, deep study, contemplation, reflection, um, analysis, and letting truth settle in, we learn the ways of not hurting ourselves. We learn what's under our control, what's out of it, or what we can influence and what we can't. It's never fully under our control, and our free will is not totally free. And uh, understanding is not of this density. 
dot dot dot. So we learn what's what's doable and what's not doable. We learn where we can know what we can know and and how much we can't know. Uh, and we don't fight against that um, inviolable reality that much of our experience, meaning the flow of phenomena around us is out of our control or not significantly influenceable by us. Meanwhile, we can influence muchly our mind or we are the master of our mind unless one is out of control and one's mind is pain is punishing oneself. So one must move out of uh, self-harming mind. Uh, but knowing that by reason and by honesty and by kindness, we can make mind a, a, an ally. This is the ox herding. This is parus. The meek is the well-tamed ox of mind, not Buddha mind, which doesn't need taming and training and at all. It's the ordinary mind that naturally has attachment and revulsion to the eight worldly winds or likes and dislikes. And so, uh, <clears throat> this, is, uh, this chapter is using the case of those who have uh, suffered penalty, lost a foot, or are um, social outcast, like the, the ugly fellow at the end here, um, as um, and that even in those conditions, being super unattractive physically uh, to most people or to have being deformed physically and then having a massive shame of um, having been penal, you know, punished by losing a limb. That's what was done in ancient China. Yet they could be Taoist sages or they could be sagely or they could teach us a lot in this case, which is a you know, stand-in for Taoist, Chuang Taoist teaching. And so this is very, very important, you know. The use of reason, this teaching is not hippie. This teaching is very careful and thoughtful and rational and disciplined. And that's what takes the wild horse to praus. It takes the wild ox or bull to becoming a friend and an ally and a buddy, uh, making one's mind that way. Uh, yet, you know, much uh, around us is out of our control. And the Stoics understood that very, very well. Marcus Aurelius, Meditations, a uh, Roman emperor, very uh, clear about what's under our control and out of our control, what we can change, what we can't. It's very, very important. Uh, and the Taoist has that perspective too. So, uh, starting, I'm just going to swing through... Um, some of the earlier sections uh, of this chapter just go really from page 109 to the end of the chapter and maybe able to finish it today, even with the, in the next 20 minutes, we'll say. Uh, the second case of someone punished by losing a foot is Shen Tu Jia. And in terms of the philosophy that he gives... Uh, he gives it on page 110 and on at all. Um, he said, People who excuse their faults and claim they didn't deserve to be punished, there are lots of them. 
But those who don't excuse their faults and who admit they didn't deserve to be spared, they are few. So making peace with painful karmic return. Making peace with, it doesn't maybe making peace with, but at least acknowledging responsibility, not lying about it. To know what you can't do anything about and to be content with it as you would with fate. Only a man of virtue, Jun, can do that. Only Jun can do that. Sounds very stoic to me. To know what you can't do anything about and be content with it as you would with fate. Only the Jun can do it. <clears throat> and so he said, if you play around in front of Archer Yi's target, you're right in the way of the arrows. And if you don't get hit, it's a matter of fate. But it's very likely you will. And so uh, that was some of the key teaching that he gave. Then another person who suffered, um, you know, dismemberment penalty, Shushan Notos, page 111, uh, mythically in the story goes to Confucius, who's too stupid in this story. Because, you know, these guys always play around with each other. So Zhongzi makes Confucius stupid in some anecdotes, while in others Confucius is a straight-up Taoist, or saying, you know, I learned from Lao Tan, and uh, here's the Taoist truth. So, in any case, it's the philosophy that is uh, more important, I think. And so what you have is, um, first Confucius blaming him for the loss of his toes, then um, regretting it, um, and one minor matter on page 112, as Confucius is regretting his um, blow-off or condemnation of uh, Shushan Notos, he said, Be diligent, my disciples, here is Notos, a man who's had his foot cut off, and still he's striving to learn so he can make up for the evil of his former conduct. How much more, then, should men whose virtue is still unimpaired? So, note, another use of the word virtue, the to be uh, bodily integrity, you know, by torture, the mind's integrity or virtue is impaired. By dismemberment or this kind of, or surgery or something, the body's virtue is impaired. That doesn't mean our virtue is impaired. So it just means that virtue includes, uh, when we say virtue or the, which is associated with power and intelligent energy as well, uh, it is also <clears throat> the natural, unimpaired state of body-mind. The natural, unimpaired state of, of body-mind without suffering, wounding, or loss, or damage is its the its virtue. And so uh, there's a saying in the Bible about the devil, something like, um, and you see it in the movie The Devil's Advocate with uh, Keanu. Keanu. He please, he's all over the place playing characters. He's Klaatu, and he's also the son of the devil. Okay. Uh, he said, that there's something from the Bible, like um, the the power of the devil's in his loins. That power is the same word, the, actually. It means virtue, but it's, it's not really virtue. It's um, essential will. And so there is an essential will, power, virtue, to the undamaged mind and the undamaged body. And that's just another way of understanding the and virtue. 
So after he said that, then the story goes that No Toes goes to Lao Dan, Lao Zi, and um, and um, uh, Conf- Lao Dan basically uh, criticizes Confucius and say he's after the sham illusion of fame and reputation. He doesn't know the perfect man, Zhen Ren, looks on these fame and reputation like two of the um, pleasant worldly winds, praise and honor, fame and reputation. Hmm? Doesn't know that the perfect man, Zhen Ren, looks on these as so much, so many handcuffs and fetters. So, um, handcuff, attachment to well-being is a self-constraining. Uh, hatred, loathing of the unpleasant is as well a, a self-handcuffing. And so don't, we need to make sure the mind, we're not hurt by our own minds. <laughs> and uh, also not hurt by people around us and phenomena. Yet some of the activity of people around us and phenomena are, quote, out of our control, which means beyond our influence or it just happens or could be called fate and destiny. Of course, <laughs> karma is operative, and the more virtue and uh, morality, harmlessness, the more we are influencing the environment long-term to reflect our own you know, harmlessness and um, commitment to well-being for self and other, of course. Then we have another story, um, the ugly man named Ai Tai Tao, um, where <clears throat> um, he's so ugly, uh, but um, actually uh, people appreciate him a lot. Ugly enough to astound the world, but I began to realize a uh, story of being with that man, how, how um, trustworthy he really is. And and then he left away. He went away. Uh, this was a ruler, fictionally talking to Confucius about it. Uh, the um, teaching, <laughs> the the, um, the punchline, is in terms of teaching on one fourteen. Um, the presentation of what Confucius is saying about this very ugly man, Confucius says, Now, I, Dai Do, says nothing and is trusted, accomplishes nothing and is loved, so that people want to turn over their states to him and are afraid only that he won't accept. It must be that his powers are whole, though his virtue, the, takes no form. So power and virtue interchangeable, his power is whole, not necessarily his body, but his power is whole, very sixth chakra, though his virtue duh, takes no form, right? And that's another teaching here, is that true virtue and goodness is formless, not attached to forms of goodness. Formless not is not attached. Forms of goodness is basically what, uh, how we think of it, how we... Perform, it certainly could be called performance of virtue. But it's not that performance of virtue is a problem. 
is that the mind is attached to concepts, rigid concepts of virtue. And that's the form that needs detachment. The virtue takes no form. It's not the form of his body, and it's not the form of um, rigid patterns of behavior either. So Confucius explains this sounding a lot like a Stoic, page 115, bottom, or 114 maybe. Let me just see. Uh, not clear, maybe 114. Confucius said, Life, death, preservation, loss, failure, success, poverty, riches, worthiness, unworthiness, which is sort of praise and blame, uh, slander, fame, hunger, thirst, heat, cold, cold heat, these are the alternations of the world, the workings of fate. Day and night they change place before us, and wisdom cannot spy out their source. No man shall know the time. Therefore, they should, they, they should not be enough to destroy your harmony. They should not be allowed to enter in the storehouse of spirit. If you can harmonize and delight in them, master them and never be at a loss for joy, if you can do this day and night without break and make it spring with everything, mingling with all and creating the moment within your own mind... This is what I call being whole in power. And again, I, I you know, don't, don't, don't play games on yourself. It's a form of self-harm to believe we should be happy all the time. Uh, happy and sad also come and go. I mean, you know, you can't, if indeed uh, conditions, I mean, See, these are not conditions of mind. These are conditions of body. It's alive or dead. It's preserved or broken. It, our activity succeeds or fails. The body or and the mind it has money and poverty, uh, riches or poverty without. We're considered worthy, unworthy. We receive slander or fame. We bodily experience hunger and thirst and then cold and heat. These alternations of the world, workings of fate, change before us day and night we can't understand their source uh, they shouldn't be enough to destroy your harmony but when we're out of harmony we should acknowledge I'm out of harmony I'm feeling depressed and sad and angry and confused and um, distortions emotional uh, charge and not think okay I've got to make spring with everything in this moment well Summer um, leads to autumn and winter. Spring doesn't last forever. Can you really make spring forever? Well, you can be complete and perfect enlightenment, but, you know, that's the end of the line, or that's the summit of attainment, achievement, development. Uh, it's doable, um, but it really does require a lot of meditation, practice, and quietude, stillness, and quiet mind. So... Uh, making spring with everything. I don't see, when I see the faces of great masters, they are not smiley. Not at all. It's only salespeople and self-promoters who have smiley faces in general. The greater teachers have no smiley face because they're not selling anything. Nor do they believe that they themselves must represent the image of 24-7 happiness and um, being up. Tony Robbins does that to his uh, demise, to his pain. He 
projects an image. I like him a lot. I think he's a refined. I know who he really is. <laughs> he's a good guy. But he's gone down a wrong path. And <clears throat> you can't, you shouldn't pretend to be happy all the time or making, having made it spring and never at a loss for joy. That's not true. And so you have to be careful. Great teachers um, or, you know, Zhang is a great teacher. Was he never at a loss for joy? I'm sure he wasn't. So, mm-mm, we should be realistic. And that just means um, when it's dark, except it's dark. The, the, the seasons of mind <clears throat> are as dramatic as those of the natural world. The cycles of mental, emotional process are inevitable and in a certain way faded too. But yes, we can change the basis of their cycling and the nature of their appearance by meditation, by sadhana, by rightful vairagya detachment, by rightful bhakti or seeking <clears throat> and practice. So, but but don't don't pretend you're in uh, never at a loss for joy when you feel angst, which is very natural. So then, finally, it's asked, what do you mean, Kongzi, when you say his virtue, his de, is formless, arupa de. Uh, Confucius said, among level things, water at rest is the most perfect. Therefore, it can serve as a standard. It guards what's inside and shows no movement outside. Virtue is the establishment of perfect harmony. Though virtue takes no form, things cannot break away from it. So it takes no form because um, it guards what's inside and shows no movement outside. It... um, is not focused on physical behavior. It's focused on um, mental, the, the mind-spirit uh, condition, the condition, a spiritualized mind condition. A spiritualized mind condition means green, blue, indigo. The mind of green, blue, indigo is the formless virtue that Jenren appreciates, as far as I can tell. Now, <laughs> going on, the story of Mr. Lame Hunchback No Lips um, uh, is a problem. Uh, there's a s- interesting teaching, page 116. If virtue is preeminent, the body will be forgotten. But when men do not forget what can be forgotten, meaning the body and and the inevitable cycle uh, of, of faded and destined, you know, worldly winds, phenomenal winds that are uh, pleasant and pleasant, painful and pleasure, the inevitable cycle of that um, is, uh, comes easier <laughs> when virtue is preeminent, obviously. Uh, and so, but when men do not forget what can be forgotten the um it's it's this forgetting is actually also called detachment vairagya it's not necessarily he forgets i don't have a body i mean in deep meditation of course one would forget the physical body but and the self even <laughs> the so-called self but here we're talking about detachment uh, another word for forgetting here is vairagya renunciation detachment not uh, making more important, not making matter a matter of more importance than it can be or ought to be. 
But he said, when men do not forget what can be forgotten, but forget what cannot be forgotten, <laughs> that may be called true forgetting. So do not forget what can be forgotten, but forget what cannot be forgotten. Forget what cannot, I think, means should not. They don't forget what you ought to forget, um, but they forget what cannot... I'm actually not sure what that means. I think I explained it better last time. Forget what cannot be forgotten. That's called true forgetting. Um, what cannot... What is what is uh, that which cannot be forgotten that, that, that the, the sage can forget? What is true forgetting? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I've forgotten. But I think it may be... Um, Forgetting uh, the inessentials uh, that we consider um, essential. Forgetting uh, how much of our life is inessential. Meaning, how much of our experience of um, plus and minus, what we like, what we don't like, how much of that's not um, critical that what's critical is is the inner, the one who sees, not what's seen, or the one that experiences, which is different than what arises and passes away in the world of appearance and, and catalyst that we experience. Um, and, and let me uh, end with... Yeah, this will be the last... Um, teaching of chapter 5 because the final passage uh, is this notion of a man not allowing likes and dislikes to get in and do him harm which really means not being attached to our preferences we have preferences we have likes and dislikes but without uh, but it's possible to have those preferences i mean gotama taught you know patient endurance to arhats who still needed a teaching of patient endurance after being an arhat because they were still experiencing the slings and arrows of uh, phenomenal uh, appearance. You know, bodily, body and interpersonal experience or catalyst comes and goes, even to them too, some of it obviously counters their preference. Preferences are inevitable. We have likes and dislikes. The point is not to pretend you don't. I mean, it's, I don't know. What do I know? All I can say is what I think I know, what I think is useful and true. It seems to me we all have preferences, and there's a, a reasonableness to that. Now, where there's you know self-harm or harm to other or stupidity and distortion in our preference set, we should take a look and address it and correct, you know, improve, refine our, our righteous preferences. But... Um, the the work is not getting rid of preferences, although some purification would be needed and happens, but not letting likes or dislikes get in and do him harm. And this is um, uh, not uh, and knowing that the worldly winds blow um, sweet and sour, they blow in accord with and against our preferences. We get what we want. We get what we hate. We get what we don't like, we get what we like. We have what is pleasant, we have what is unpleasant. It comes, it goes. 
we are responsible in many ways, um, and we can change the future by changing the seeding and the causing causation, but they do come and go. And so <clears throat> the key is not to be harmed by our, our preferences in response to phenomenal appearance uh, and catalyst um, impinging upon us. So the final phrase, the final teaching here, page uh, 116, uh, put into the words of... Um, it's actually not put into anybody's mouth. It's straight Zhongzi. So, the sage has his wanderings. For him, knowledge is an offshoot. Promises are glue. Favors are a patching up. And skill is a peddler. Obviously, we have to read this a few times to get it all. The sage hatches no schemes. So what use has he for knowledge? This would be excessive, unneeded knowledge. He does not, but, but how much knowledge do we really need? He does no carving. So what use has he for glue? He hasn't broken things. He doesn't need to put them together. He suffers no loss. So what use has he for favors? He doesn't need to get stuff from others because he's not experiencing losing stuff depending on others. He hawks no goods. He's not a seller. So what is the use for peddling? He doesn't need to compromise in certain ways because he's not trying to sell things and depending, depending on others to buy his stuff. These four are called heavenly gruel, rice soup, otherwise called po. Heavenly gruel is the, is the food of heaven. And if he's already gotten food from heaven, what use does he have for men? He has the form of a man, but not the feelings of a man, meaning not attached to preferences, nor identity. Since he has the form of a man, he bands together with other men. Since he doesn't have the feelings of a man, right and wrong cannot get at him meaning rigid conceptions and um, uh, uh, followings, uh, consequences of the rigid perceptions of right and wrong. Puny and small, he sticks with the rest of men. Massive and great, he perfects his heaven alone. It's very heavy to me. Puny and small, like a fucking uh, weasel, worm, little body, nothing, squirmy thing. He sticks with the rest of men. Yeah. Massive and great, he perfects his ten alone, his heaven alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> body and our appearance and the ephemeral, you know, kind of silliness of this life at some level. Um, we stick with the rest of other, the rest of humanity. Massive and great is the spiritualized mind. Is the mind surrendered to Atman? He perfects his ten, ten alone, heaven alone. Uh, beautiful, I think. So that's it. How about that? Under forty-five minutes. So uh, I hope it has been useful. I think Jongs uh, is wonderful, and. Um, Lo and behold, it sounds quite stoic and uh, of Zeno, of Sitium as well. Next time, chapter 6, The Great and Venerable Teacher. And um, again, please make a note of the uh, YouTube mirror sites, the podcast pages, as well as the Weebly.com, which has been put together by a good, 
a good man in Australia. So, thank you again. Keep the light on and take good care of yourselves and good night.